You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right, man, again, it's so good to see everyone. I just want to encourage you just for a second um, because I was just encouraged this morning right before service started. But one of one of our uh, members here, one of our family uh, members, said they dropped some stuff off of Fishes and Loaves uh, this weekend, and they uh, were told by Fishes and Loaves that it was the fifth car from Impact Church that dropped stuff off at the food pantry in this city. So, man, I just want to thank you guys for your abundant generosity to show God's love to the world. Man, it's so encouraging to be a part of a church that cares about people. It's so encouraging to be a part of a a family of believers that really want to show God's love in a practical way. And what's a practical way? Giving food to people who need it. Amen? And there's people that are in need all around us, and we get to practically serve them and show them God's love. So thank you. I just want you guys to know that you are making a difference for the kingdom of God because of your abundant generosity. This morning... We're starting a brand new series, and we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus went up on a mountain and he gave a sermon, right? So there's nothing like that is the reason that it's called that. There's nothing really special about the title of the sermon. It's just the Sermon on the Mount. However, there's some really special stuff within the content of this sermon. And what I don't want to do, because I just don't have the the capability, is I don't want to re-preach this in in some kind of dusting way. I just wanted to look at the the sermon that Jesus preached, and I just want us to talk about it. Because I can do no better than Jesus. Amen? And I just can't. He gave the sermon. I just want us to read it, and then I want us to talk about it. Because it's really important, I think, for us to understand what Jesus told His people, His followers, Christians, us. Little, little Christ is, is really what Christian means because we become part of the family of God. And, and we don't focus on, on some of the things you would think we focus on, right? We don't focus on a list of activities. We focus on a relationship with Jesus. And, and really, that's how He starts this entire sermon. See, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And the way that Jesus starts this sermon is with the gospel. And then in Matthew chapter 7, the way He ends this sermon is with the gospel. So He begins the sermon with the gospel. He ends the sermon with the gospel. And everything in between is what it looks like to live a gospel-infected life. So this morning, we're going to start with the Gospel. Because that's the way Jesus started. We're going to read just the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 5 and and what they're really called are the Beatitudes. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but man, there's a lot of blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And what happens a lot of times is is we look at these as, as circumstantial blessings. That if we're this way, then we'll be blessed this way. And this morning, what I want to do is I want, to, I want to help you shift your mindset on that because what this isn't is this isn't a list of, 
of circumstantial blessings that Jesus gives here. So I believe that this is more of a process of what it looks like to begin a relationship with Jesus. So as we read through these, we're going to just read it all together at once and then we're going to break each one of these down. But starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So he started getting a following because in Matthews 1, 2, 3, and 4, he was performing miracles. He was teaching. People wanted to see him and hear him. And then verse 2, it says this, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Because you kind of have to talk when you're giving a sermon, right? So that's all that means is that he started talking. He said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revel you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. God, we pray that you speak this morning through your Spirit. God, that hearts and minds are forever changed. God, we pray that your gospel, your gospel goes forth in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is, this is really what I want us to focus on this morning is, is there are no points in this message today. So I know that you're used to me giving you three points, four points. They usually start with the same letter. It just helps me remember what the points are when I do that. It's just really simple. And then maybe it helps you remember there's no points today. What I want us to do today is just really look at this scripture and I want us to talk about what each one of these means and how this really is a process of coming to know Jesus. One of the problems is there's really a hard, it's really hard to translate this word that we've translated as bless, as blessed, as blessed, right? So mercurios is the Greek word and some people translate it as happy. And that is so far from the truth that it just, it doesn't make sense, right? Because if we go to just the second one, it says, blessed are those who mourn, right? So that would be, hey, when you're sad, then you're happy. And that's just, that doesn't make sense. And happiness changes based off circumstances. So God isn't a God of happiness. He's a God of joy. He brings joy into situations, into people's lives. And I'm not saying that you won't ever be happy. I'm just saying that this sermon isn't about happiness. What this, what this word really means is there, there's a fullness of the shalom of God. There's a, there's a fullness of peace in your life that you're so full of who God is. that one commentator says this, that really Jesus is saying, hey, congratulations. Congratulations when you are this. So this morning as we, as we dig through these, Beatitudes, what I really want us to see is that God isn't saying, hey, you're going to be happy when you have this in your life. No, He's saying, hey, congratulations, because now you're set up for me to do work in your life. Now you're set up for me to do work in your life. And, and we use blessed a lot of different ways in our culture, right? Sometimes it's just one of those uh, surface level answers at church, right? So 
People say, hey, well, how you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? That's a, that's a typical answer that we get at church, and I'm not saying that's a bad answer. I'm just saying that's one, and we're all from the South, so we've kind of turned blessed into a cuss word here in the South, right? And if you're not from the South, if someone ever says, bless your heart, that's a cuss word, right? There, that's, it sounds nice, but it's not, it's not really. So what I really want us to grasp this morning is that this word blessed here, I want us to really think, hey, congratulations to you. Congratulations to you because God is able and now you're positioned for Him to do some work in your life. So let's, let's read through these. Let's break these down. Now, uh, verse 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now I want you to understand this morning that this, this word poor doesn't mean anything to do with financial type stuff. Jesus is really clear here when He says, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what this means is, hey, blessed are you. Congratulations to you when you realize that you are spiritually bankrupt. Man, congratulations to you when you realize that you cannot do this on your own. That you need someone else to do for you what you can't do yourself. Congratulations, because now you're set up, you're perfectly positioned for God to do work in your life. Congratulations when you realize that you are wretched. Man, we're all spiritually bankrupt. Man, we're human beings that are fallen. And we're so far away from God without the blood of Jesus. And he's saying here, hey, blessed are you when you realize when you realize that you have nothing to offer. When you realize that you're so far away from Him. Blessed are you. Congratulations to you because now you are perfectly positioned. And He says, hey, the kingdom of heaven isn't near. What's that mean? Hey, salvation is in arm's reach for you. Because the first step of salvation is understanding that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. So congratulations. Hey, you blessed are you when you realize that you need Jesus. When you realize that you're so spiritually poor. That you're so spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are you. Because man, the kingdom of heaven is at near. Salvation is within arm's reach for you. If you think back to the prodigal son, it's just a story. If you don't know, it's just a quick synopsis of that story. Uh, this, this kid grows up as, as most teenage boys do, and they're like, hey, I know more than my parents know, so I want all my inheritance. Give it to me. The father gives it to him. He goes and he blows it. And he begins to feed pigs. This Jewish boy feeding pigs, which was a horrible job for a Jew to do. And then the Bible says this. It says, and then the son came to his senses. He realized, hey, this isn't the life that God has for me. This isn't the life that I'm supposed to live. I could be home and be treated better as a servant of my father than I am right now. And the Bible says that he came to his senses. Blessed are you when you come to your senses and realize that you need someone, Jesus, to do for you what you could not do for yourself. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then that just, that leads us to the next one. So I don't want you to think that this is some list of, of things that you must do 
to be saved. No, this is the process. This is what it looks like to be saved. This is the gospel. This isn't a list. So Moses had a list of laws, the Ten Commandments, and then there were a bunch of laws that came. Jesus didn't come and just replace those laws with new laws. Jesus came and He fulfilled those laws and He he began a new covenant of grace. A new covenant of I love you. I gave my life for you. I've been the ultimate sacrifice for you. And blessed are you when you realize you need that. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. And that leads us to number two, which says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I don't want you to think that blessed are you who, when you're sad. No, again, this is a continuation in the process. So once you realize that you're spiritually bankrupt, blessed are you. Congratulations to you when that breaks your heart. When the sin in your life and the separation from God causes you to mourn. It causes you to, to be heartbroken. It causes you to be sad because you realize that you're so far away from the Heavenly Father and your sin is breaking your heart. And there's a promise, right? There's a promise that says you will be comforted. How? Well, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you the third person of the Trinity when I'm gone. We call Him the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, hey, He is the comforter. And you will be comforted by the Holy Spirit when you get to a place of repentance in your life. And that's really what this, this morning is. It's, a, hey, I'm going the wrong direction. And I'm sad about that. It's breaking my heart. The sin in my life. The sin that I allow to, to keep in, just to engulf me. The, the sin that I allow to chain me down. The sin that I allow to control my life. It's breaking my heart. So blessed are you. Congratulations to you when you realize you're spiritually bankrupt. And then when that sin causes you to mourn. And blessed are you. And then that leads us to the next. It said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now I believe that this is the moment of salvation. It's really hard for us to, to understand this because we see the word meek. And as a guy, like I've never woken up on New Year's and said, hey, one of my New Year's resolutions is to be meek, right? For one, it rhymes with weak. And that just isn't, like I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. So meek doesn't mean weak. And in Greek, it actually, that's a lot of rhyming, right? I'm, I'm a decent rapper. So... In Greek, the word meek doesn't mean weak, but what it means is this. It's like the bridle in the mouth of a horse. And what it means is, hey, I'm giving control to someone else. I'm handing over the reins of my life to my heavenly Father. So Jesus is saying this, hey, blessed are you when you get to the place that you realize you're spiritually bankrupt, when that breaks your heart, and when you say, hey, I'm ready to hand the reins of my life over to Jesus. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when you finally get to the place in your life where you say, hey, my back is, is turned away from God and I'm chasing after this world. Blessed are you when you hand over the reins. 
And like any good cowboy, Jesus turns because you've handed him the reins of your life. And he turns you facing him and you begin to follow. I believe that this is the moment of salvation. That we realize that we're sinners in need of a Savior. That we realize that Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation. That He came on a rescue mission for us to save us, to reconcile us back to Himself. The, the sin breaks our heart and then we decide, hey, I want to commit my life to Him. And we give Him the reins of our life. And it says, you will inherit the earth. Now, what I don't want you to think is that you're going to inherit all the things that are in this, this earth right now. See, at the end of Second Peter, we see that this earth is going to burn up. It's going to be gone. And then in the book of Revelation, we see there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And for those of us who are believers, who are followers of Jesus, we have a promise which says, hey, you will reign with me forever in the new heaven and the new earth. So blessed are you when you give your life to Jesus because you will inherit eternity with Jesus. See, God gives you what you choose now for eternity. If you want to choose this world, if you want to choose the, the sin, the things of, of this world, He will give you that for eternity. We call it hell. And you will spend eternity separated from God. Man, if you want to give your life to Him, if you want to be meek and hand the reins of your life over to Jesus, then He will give you that for eternity. You will be able to spend eternity with Him in a new heaven and a new earth. The fourth thing we see is blessed are those who hunger for thirst or hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now, I want to define righteousness for you the way that Scripture defines righteousness because I think a lot of times we think that righteousness means right activity. But righteousness does not mean right activity. Righteousness means right identity. See, the problem with, with right activity is that we become self-righteous when we do that. And, and the Bible speaks very clearly against self-righteousness. We, we become proud people when we do that. And the Bible speaks very clearly against pride. And it's not about right activity. It's about right identity. And when our identity is in Jesus, we are considered righteous. So it's about a right standing with God. So Jesus here is saying, hey, congratulations to you. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for a right standing with God. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst to know Him more. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for the Word of God, for community with God, for an experience with God like you've never had before. Hey, blessed are you. Congratulations to you. And guess what? You'll be satisfied. All the stuff in this world will never satisfy you. You can go buy you your dream house and you'll be happy for a little while and then you're going to see something in a room that you want to fix. You're going to see something down the hall that, you're going to, that you want to fix. You're going to want to put shiplap on this wall because it just looks good and it, even though it has no purpose and it costs a lot of money. Right? You can buy you a brand new truck and it won't satisfy your soul. See, Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who are weary 
and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. What kind of rest? Rest for your soul. We're never satisfied with the things of this world. Never. Maybe we're happy. Maybe, maybe sometimes it feels good. But man, we're never truly satisfied. Our souls can never, ever, ever be satisfied apart from God. So congratulations to you when you hunger and thirst for a right standing with God because you will be satisfied because Jesus promises satisfaction to your soul. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through stuff. It doesn't mean there's not going to be trials and tribulations. It means that He is with you. And that only He can satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. Only He can fill the spaces in our life. Now we were created to be in relationship with Him. And we will never fully experience satisfaction. Until we begin a relationship with Him. Now congratulations to you if you hunger and thirst. For a right relationship with God. A right standing with Him. And then the fifth blessed we see. It says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Now this was really, really important. And I want you to see something here is that merciful means full of mercy. So when you were saved, when God, when God snatched you out of darkness, when He brought you from death to life, and you began a relationship with Him, He didn't just give you enough grace and enough mercy just to kind of skirt by. No, He gave you more than enough grace. More than enough Mercy. He lavishes His grace upon you. He lavishes. That means He keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. So you're full of mercy and grace where it's overflowing out of you. So congratulations to you when you're merciful. When you treat people the way that Jesus treats you. That's what this means. Congratulations to you when you show mercy to people because it's just overflowing out of you. You say, well, they don't really deserve mercy. You don't deserve mercy either. But God loves you enough to do it. So blessed are you. Congratulations to you when you show God's love to people because you have God's love overflowing out of you. Now, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the ones who tell people about Jesus. Blessed are the ones who share their story with people. This is what mercy means. Mercy means that you were a sinner. That I was a sinner far from God. And He sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. And that He, he pours out His grace and His mercy into our lives because He loves us. Not because of anything that we've ever done or anything we could ever do. Here's the reason. He loves you. Man, I think about my kids and they, they've never done, don't take this the wrong way, I just want to be really honest with you this morning. They've never really done anything to make me love them the way that I love them. 
They were just born as my kid. And because of that, the love was there. I, I loved them from the moment that they were conceived. They were my kid. Man, and God feels way, 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 way more passionate about you. There's nothing that you had to do. He just loves you because He created you. And He's just waiting and He's calling and He's drawing through His Spirit people back to Himself. Blessed are you if you're merciful. The sixth we see is this. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now I don't know this pure in heart thing is just difficult. The Bible tells us all over the place that our hearts are wicked, right? So how can we how can we get this? How can we really have this? I don't wake up every day and say, man, I hope I have a pure heart today. No, I'll wake up and say, man, I wonder what's for breakfast. I really hope things at work go well. And this pure heart thing just really doesn't cross my mind. One, because I know that I'm a, I'm a dirty, wretched human. But this is what happens. This is what happens. Once we begin a relationship with Jesus, He replaces our heart with His. So we're pure in heart as followers of Jesus. And then you ask the question that I always ask growing up. If my heart is like Jesus' heart, if I'm really pure in heart, then why do I still struggle? Why do I still sin? Here's the answer, because you still have the same mind. Your mind is still the same. And that's why Paul teaches, hey, let's, let's get closer to Jesus. Let's become more like Jesus, not by changing our heart, but by the renewing of our mind. Because it's still there. And it's still working. And it's still got some flesh. And it's just, man, it's always at war. As Christians with our pure heart that we got, not because of us, but because of Jesus. So blessed are you when you have a relationship with Jesus. Blessed are you when your heart is pure, not because of you, but because of Him. Blessed are you. Congratulations to you. Because guess what? You shall see God. And you shall see God. I want you to, to just think back to Adam when he was created. And the Bible says that the Creator, God, was nostril to nostril with this first human. And He, he breathed the Ruach of life, the, the Spirit of God into him. Adam opens his eyes and the first thing that he sees is the Creator, the Holy One, the Almighty God. And that's been imprinted in the hearts and in the lives of every human being since then. So there's always a longing. There's always that this world can't satisfy because there's something within us that only God can fill. We were created in His image as He breathed the Ruach of life into us. The Spirit of God. Blessed are you when you have a relationship with Jesus because you get to see the face of God. Because you get to experience Him. Congratulations. Blessed are you. The seventh thing is this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Now I want you to 
to hear me this morning. There's a difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. See, as, as a dad of three kids and two girls that are pretty close in age, I know all about peacekeeping. You go to your room, you go to your room. Peace is kept. But I'm not making peace in that situation, right? I'm just keeping peace. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. I want to read something to you really quick. And it's, it's not going to be on the screen, so I apologize for that. But in Matthew 25, we see that Jesus says this. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Listen, this is what it means to be a peacemaker. First of all, let's understand peace. The, the word shalom, which means the fullness and wholeness of God. It's not the absence of conflict, right? That's not what peace is. Peace is in the midst of conflict, in the midst of struggle. We have the wholeness and the fullness of God. And Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker because what He did is He brought people who were far away from God into a relationship with God through His sacrifice on the cross. He made peace by bringing those far from God to a relationship with God. And we're called to do the same. So congratulations to you, peacemaker. Congratulations to you when you bring those who are far away from God to God. When you show God's love to the world, blessed are you. Congratulations to you for making peace, for loving people, for loving the world around you, for showing them what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Hey, blessed are you, peacemaker. Congratulations to you. And you're a son of God. You're a son of God. You're a son of God. You are a child of the one true King. Hey, congratulations. Blessed are you. How many of us are making peace in our life? I'm going to touch on something really quickly. But, man, there's a lot of division going on right now over the, the Roe versus Wade decision that was overturned. And this is what I want to say to you about that. Is that as Christians, it's our job to love people. As Christians, it's our responsibility to love people. I've seen so many people who are celebrating that decision and who are celebrating that decision not in love. And I see people who are, who are really hurt and they're struggling with that decision and they're, they're hurt and they're struggling and they're not really loving people. There's both sides of this where people aren't acting like Jesus wants them to act. It's our job as Christians to point people to Jesus. It's not our job to argue on Facebook. 
It's not our job to get on Instagram and post all these memes. It's our jobs to point people to Jesus. Man, and I believe in the sanctity of life, and I, I love the fact, I love the fact, that we get to stand as Christians and say, hey, every life matters. And man, it starts in the womb. But man, we've done a horrible job as a church. The church of God has done a horrible job of loving people outside of the womb. I'm going to say that again. We as the church have done a horrible job of loving people outside of the womb. We've focused so much on being pro-birth that we lose, we lose sight of the fact that God has called us to be pro-life. That life may start in the womb, but it doesn't end there. When that person's born, where has the church been to help? Where has the church been to take care of people? Where has the church been to show God's love to people? And, and Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are you who take care of the least of these. Blessed are you who are peacemakers, who bring people far away from God to a relationship with Him. Now, don't misunderstand me. We can't get people to, to say yes to Jesus, but we can show them what it looks like. Blessed are you, peacemaker. Congratulations to you for showing people Jesus, for pointing people to Jesus. Man, and I don't like getting into to political stuff, and I'm, and I'm not a political person. But I just, man, it, it burdens me when I see the church just focus on one thing, and then they just let everything else go like it doesn't matter. And that's not the gospel, and that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to love Him, to love people. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to stand up for the truth. We're going to stand up for the sanctity of life. But the life is from womb to tomb. And we have to be the church that God has called us to be. Blessed are you when you make peace. Here's the last one. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. I don't know how many of you have been persecuted for your faith. It looks way different in this country than it looks in other countries. So for you, maybe maybe you, you didn't get a promotion because they know that you love Jesus and they don't want somebody loving Jesus to be a manager, right? That is persecution, and it's real. There are some countries that they can't even take a Bible with them somewhere or they will get their hands cut off, their heads cut off, their, their whole family just demolished, devastated. There's persecution all around the world. And Jesus says, hey, congratulations to you because you're not a citizen of this world. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't think that they've been dealing with persecution from the beginning of time, all the apostles were martyred. You know why? Because they were blessed. Because they had a relationship with Jesus. Because people didn't love them. So there's no way this could mean happy, right? This is just more proof. It's not, hey, you should be happy because you may get killed for loving Jesus. No, but congratulations to you because you're not like the world. The world's not going to love you, and, and Jesus tells us that. Jesus tells us that we will be persecuted by this world. 
that as Christ followers, the world will persecute us. Here's my question to you. When's the last time you've been persecuted for your faith? And if you haven't been, the, the next question is, why not? Is it because maybe you're indistinguishable from this world? As Christ followers, we should be different. We shouldn't look the same as the rest of the world. And if you do, then, then maybe that's a question that you need to work out with God. Hey, why do I still look like the rest of the world? And what happens is we're justified by God and then we're sanctified, which is the process of being made holy. And sanctification starts at the moment of salvation and it ends the moment that we, that we receive glory, that we're in glory with Him. But man, it's a process throughout our life becoming more and more and more like Jesus. It's the process of sanctification. And if you're still in the same spot that you were when you received Jesus, then there's some steps that you need to take. There's a next step of faith for you. And that next step is, hey, I don't need to look like this world anymore. And blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you realize, and I'm spiritually bankrupt. I need someone to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Congratulations when you get there because the, the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Salvation is in arm's reach for you. Blessed are you when you're meek. Blessed are you when you mourn. And blessed are you when you, when you hunger and you thirst for a right standing with God. Not right activity, but right identity. Congratulations. Blessed are you. Do you know why this matters? You know why Jesus starts the sermon with this? Because He wants people to understand that it all goes back to the Gospel. That a Gospel-infected life that we, that we see in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount to the end, all this stuff, how you do finances, how you do divorce, how you do this, how you do this, how, the, how kingdom people live life because kingdom people do things differently than the, than the rest of the world. He starts this sermon by saying, hey, blessed are you when you have a relationship with me. Congratulations to you when you make the decision to follow after me. When your life is finally infected with the gospel, when you're, when you're ran over by the gospel train, blessed are you. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.